Hello and welcome to Talk Ag to Me, the podcast dedicated to improving ag literacy around the world. Today I'm joined by my co-host, Evan Garcia. Good morning, everybody. How's it going? And unfortunately, we couldn't have Abby in today. She had some other things she needed to take care of, but don't worry, she'll be in future episodes to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to start off a little bit just by talking about how much support we got for our first episode, and I think it's uh, pretty exciting just to see that many people behind us and, and just supportive of what we're doing here. So we really appreciate all your guys' support and all you guys reaching out to us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and on YouTube, and just you know talking to us about how much you like the idea. We, just, we really appreciate you guys just supporting what we're doing here. So, going into what today's episode is going to be about, we're going to be talking about our first real issue regarding agriculture and, and what we believe to be the biggest issue regarding facing agriculture today, and that's agriculture literacy, or rather a lack of. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we'd kind of uh, be most beneficial to start off by kind of defining ag- agriculture literacy and explain to them what that means. Yeah, because a lot of, a lot of issues surrounding agricultural, agricultural issues comes from the ag literacy aspect because the way we think, purchase, and the way we market to consumers, the way we make policy all comes from the education we have about agriculture. So this is definitely very important when thinking about any agricultural topic that's in the global arena right now. Right. So uh, National Agriculture in the Classroom defines agricultural literacy as a person possessing an understanding of the agriculture industry or a basic knowledge of the food and fiber system. A person possessing this kind of knowledge would be able to analyze, synthesize, and communicate this kind of information about agriculture to the public. Yeah, definitely. And uh, a lot of, we have a, a lack of that in our society right now. Um, more people than this statistic may have a general idea about agriculture. I know from where I live, we're surrounded by agriculture. A lot of kids are involved, so we have a good idea over here. But in our society, less than 2% of the population is actually direct, directly related and working in production agriculture. So that's a very big deficit when it comes to the amount of people we need to understand this issue and to educate themselves and for us to educate them on why agriculture is important for everyone in our world. And kind of the interesting thing I found about it is um, even though we're in an agricultural uh, thriving area where you know you can't walk four blocks without seeing a dairy or a cornfield or something, you know, there's there's agriculture surrounding us. There's still people in our hometown that have no idea what agriculture is or what it, or what it does. I mean, just, just to give you an example, um, one, uh, one day we, we went to go recruit some eighth graders for FFA and we were talking to them and there was an eighth grader that asked each of the three officers that were there recruiting if chocolate milk really comes from brown cows. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. it's something we used to like to joke about, but yeah. it's a serious issue. People don't understand that there's a difference and, and they don't understand where their food comes from and how it's made. And we think that's a pretty important issue here. Mm-hmm. And that can come back on a larger scale if those kind of kids don't, like I like we said earlier, don't get educated. So it's really good that we do implement, the FF, in, implement that within the FFA program here that we go out to those eighth graders and recruit them in order to get into those basic knowledge-based agricultural classes in the high school. And I think that'll become easier next year. Our school is switching to a four-by-four system where the students will have the opportunity to choose eight classes rather than six, which we've currently had. So I think more kids will start to join into the agricultural program and realize that it is something very important to our society. Right, I agree. And um, I think it's, it's kind of important, like, we wouldn't really be discussing these issues if we didn't have some kind of idea of, of how it can be fixed. So um, in terms of solution, I think the most important uh, thing we can do 
just from our, our perspectives, is just educating anybody that we can in our daily lives about agriculture. Um, I think the most effective way to attack this problem is if we educate uh, children at, at, a, at a younger age about agriculture and have them kind of learn about it as they're going through, you know, their various use, years of grade school. Um, and even just taking initiative, like any form of social media, social interaction, or connection and communication with people that you can do, like your great idea to even begin this podcast, this is uh, initiation of a new source for people to be able to go to and listen to in order to get information and grasp the knowledge they need in order to be a more informed, educated public. Yeah, definitely. Um, the couple other uh, ways I've kind of noticed that, um, well, the FFA organization itself is trying to improve ag literacy is we just passed a Discovery FFA um, program, I guess you could call it, which allows seventh and eighth graders to join our, our organization and just get a little bit of a, of a glance at what our, our, at our organization is all about. And uh, I think this is going to be really beneficial. There have been a lot of debates over whether or not this is a good idea. I think this is a really good idea for the fact that it, it allows kids to um, get a first-hand experience about the organization that helps educate kids about agriculture. Um, a lot of people are saying that it would cause problems in, term, in terms of competition and in terms of you know getting these kids burnt out before they even reach high school, which I think there's a possibility of that, but it all depends on their teachers and, and how heavily they influence mm -hmm. this, this new information. On yeah, them. that could also be very few because I know personally um, competing with competitions four years almost seems to go by so fast. So to have that extra, <laughs> if I had had that extra two years, I would have been able to even learn even more than I know now and it would be such a great opportunity for these kids to just jump in and get involved at that age already. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you there. Um, I Same thing, I've done competitions for three or four years and it just it feels like you just don't have enough. If I had just one extra year, I could have done better. And you just keep telling yourself that, well, these kids are getting two extra years. Mm -hmm. So it'd be interesting to see where they go with, with this new information mm -hmm. and this new um, form of practicing that, that they're going to get. Um, just to move on a little bit from, from the Discovery FFA program, uh, some of the other kind of ways that we've, that we've been trying to push agricultural literacy is, um, well, the podcast itself, but especially just promoting ourselves through social media. We found that to be extremely effective. Um, Instagram is probably one of the most effective ways I can think of for, for this, just because Facebook and Twitter, yeah, you can post as many you know long textual posts as you, as you want, but people are going to have to read all that, and you can't promise that they're going to retain all that, information, all that information. Instagram requires you to post a picture with any post that you want to make. It gives them a visual, and, and it makes them interpret that from a you know, from they have to see what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a little bit more beneficial in terms yeah. of just getting them uh, a, a decent understanding of, of what is actually going on in this industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely like that. Because uh, a lot of the time you can have communication by word of mouth, but I think that social media has really been taking over the past decade and a half or so. And that being implemented to reach people globally in an instant is going to be extremely important as we continue to educate more people to be agriculturally lit literate in the future excuse me in the future so i think we definitely need to utilize media social media and everything that people are using nowadays in order to have easier access to knowledge which i think we talked a lot about how we could fix the problem um we went over it a little bit but i think it'd be kind of beneficial if we kind of just told them really what the problem is and, and uh, what i mean by that is well we know that there's a, a large lack of agricultural literacy. A, a survey conducted by the U.S. Farmers and Ranchers Alliance said that 72% of consumers have no idea what farming or ranching is all about. They don't know where the food comes from. They don't know how these agricultural processes occur, and they really don't know all the steps it takes to get from farm to plate. 
and um, the repercussions that, that come from this lack of knowledge are, are pretty substantial. They, I mean, they hurt farmers in, in a lot of different ways. I think it's important to kind of go over some of those as well. And a lot of people will say in their right minds, and rightfully so, that it is difficult to learn this knowledge when they are in other careers or other field goals mm -hmm. and they have families and they have other things they have to do. So just going out there and picking their what they're going to eat is a minimal obligation they have within knowing the actual industry because the food is there and it's ready for them and I totally understand that however agriculture the agricultural industry affects every single person every single person eats every day we cannot live our lives without food and the food and fiber system in agriculture is what provides that so I think it is very important to understand that because our food supply could run out potentially if we don't utilize the new technologies we have, if people don't understand why we farm the way we farm and how important it is for every single person on the face of the earth. That's right. And um, kind of to, uh, to add on to that, um, back in the day, it was ag agri-literacy was a lot more common because, you know, before, I couldn't give you an exact year, but, you know, just a few decades ago, it was to the point where people were so close to a farm, like they had families and they were farming, they had, uh, you know, neighbors that were farming, they were so close to, to agriculture that it wasn't uncommon for people to know where their food came from because, you know, just go back, a f you know, a few decades and you could see that a lot of people own their own animals. Even if they didn't have a, a full operational farm, they had, you know, a few chickens in the, in the backyard, mm -hmm. they had a few cows, they had a few pigs, you know, they had their own animals and they harvested their own um, food so they, they knew where their food came from and we've kind of gotten away from that a little bit um, it's really kind of a, a weird thing to think about in it's such a short time how far uh, families today are from agriculture like they're two or three generations away from mm -hmm. from this industry and you think it'd be pretty important for them to stay connected to this industry considering it feeds them and it keeps them uh, alive and it keeps them you know healthy and, and happy um, I think that one of the um, kind of one of the most important things that we can address in terms of, of that issue is that uh, if people don't know where their food comes from just out of a lack mm -hmm. of, of knowledge or out of lack of trying to learn uh, they start voting on things that cause problems for farmers such as proposition 2 and and they start doing all Brandon, kinds can of you explain proposition 2 a little bit for our listeners absolutely so proposition 2 is a piece is a piece of legislature that was passed um, actually not not too long ago a few years ago and uh, what it does is it requires uh, certain types of animals eggling hens um, uh, I think swine as well and uh, veal calves to be contained in certain types of uh, cages or pens that had a certain um, regulation on how large they had to be and the reason this was passed is because um, you see big trucks driving down the road with chickens in, in small cages on the backs of them and people see this and they think oh no those chickens are, are, are hurting or they can't stand up they can't stretch they can't move and and they feel bad for them and um, you know these calves they can't stand up all the way in their pens or they can't stretch their legs or they can't turn around and and this is something that people see and because they don't well, understand. Well personally Brendan when I'm driving in a car <laughs> I can't stand up and stretch my legs either so that kind of gives me a little bit of restraint if you ask me but <laughs> no i completely agree with you there um but people see this and they don't they don't understand they don't know like they they see it and they're just like well i feel so bad i don't want that that pig to suffer i want that that you know that calf to suffer and we get that we don't want our animals to suffer mm -hmm. either and there are there are some instances that you may see very few but those are the ones that really get blown up is when we do have animal cruelty in the industry and there is some we have to admit that but 
that those few are the only ones that people really see, you know? So right. every farmer, especially in our area and around, I know that they want to take good care of their animals. They want them to be prosperous so that way they can produce the best they can for the consumers. Right. And I think another aspect of it, um, which this is kind of a, a strange way of looking at it, but animals cannot produce a, a good amount of, of quality product if they're under a lot of stress. Mm -hmm. So it's very important for farmers not to stress out their animals because mm -hmm. if they do, they're not going to be producing as much and those farmers are going to be losing out on, on, on a lot of profitable opportunity. Um, so it's just it's really important that the farmers take really, really good care of their animals. They had nutritionists come in, they have you know um, inspectors come in to make sure all their pens are proper environments for these animals to live in. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's very important that people understand that farmers go through way, way more amounts of, of just regulating and checking that people give them credit for and just this is all to make sure that their animals are healthy and happy and safe and yeah it, it has a certain number of, of importance to their pro, uh, productivity and, and the amount of money they can make off of them but really it's just about you know these these are these animals give us a lot of benefit they give us food they give us byproducts they give us milk they give us a lot of, of, of beneficial things that we need for our lives the least we can do is give them a good life in return mm -hmm. and i think we definitely do do that within our industry granted those few things you do see that get blown up by organizations such as right. PETA and stuff like that right obviously there are um there are a lot of activist groups and and, and various um individuals within within the community they'll blow up um various situations in agriculture some of which really are bad and, and we're not going to hide the fact that there are people out there that mm -hmm. abuse their animals neglect their animals and and we by no means associate mm -hmm. with those people we don't think that they're right in doing so but they do exist and that's in every group not just in agriculture mm -hmm. any kind of industry any kind of organization group there's going to be corrupt people out there doing things that aren't right or that the other people in the industry can't agree on mm -hmm. and i think on. it is very important like we are doing now to address those issues because if we just hide those that is also ill education on our part right. you know you have to see everything that is going on take into account to understand why we believe the way we do and why it is so important to keep on farming and producing agricultural products the way that they should be produced right absolutely um it's kind of interesting you have the old-fashioned farmers the farmers that are getting closer to 15 60 years old which is actually the average age of the american farmer mm -hmm. right now yep. and a lot of these old-fashioned farmers are pretty traditional in their ways of farming where they don't want to tell anyone how they farm because you know that's that's my method of farming i don't want you to steal my ideas or mm -hmm. whatever their mentality is and i completely get where they're coming from but it's because of things like this, people hiding their their methods of farming and, and these farmers just, you know, sweeping under the rug everything that they do out of whether it's fear of, of people not agreeing with them or whether it's fear of people stealing, stealing their ideas, they're hiding all these methods and that's causing a lot of suspicion because, mm -hmm. you know, if, if any kind of industry won't tell you how they're operating, you're going to be a little suspicious of, of how mm -hmm. they're actually doing it. Yeah, most definitely. So I think it's important for these farmers to, you know, to come out a little bit and say, hey, what I'm doing is not wrong. Let me show you what I'm doing, and, and maybe we can, we can come to an agreement as, as to why it's important. Um, so moving on to kind of our personal experiences and how this is going to affect us in the future, I think that it is very good that a lot of kids are in this agricultural program, such as FFA, and take agricultural classes in order to educate themselves. But I think personally we've seen this problem as to, to where the age group is now. I think it'll... The investment we have right now will definitely benefit us in the future when we are working adults in the industry. But as of right now, I do have an example. Yesterday at the state FFA speaking finals, I listened to a prepared speech where a girl explained that 
she very calmly, very politely informed a lady about why choosing her antibiotic-free food was really no difference than the other food produced. Right. But the, the lady, being rightfully so in her um, appallment to this girl that is far younger than her, mm -hmm. doesn't believe – I mean, if I were listening to <laughs> an 8-year-old tell me how to eat my food or what to choose, I would also be like, I don't Skeptical, know what, yeah. what are you talking <laughs> what are you talking about? You don't know anything. Right. So I think our age right now is definitely going to play a factor. However, when we do get older in those policy issues and the industry issues, it'll benefit us in the long run once we start to be able to get our voices heard and have more credibility with that. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And um I think that the what we do in FFA here is is, is really beneficial. Like uh I I think uh, how you're talking yesterday at, at the speech finals, I heard a couple of speeches myself about um, ag literacy and, and how these kids are engaging in, in their communities with, with people that they see in the grocery store, people see, they see you know, walking down the street. And I think, it's, I think what this organization is doing is great, but um, we need to take a little bit more of an initiative in terms of, of educating our public more directly. And I think through this podcast is one of the most effective ways to do so. I was talking to a judge yesterday actually um, about the podcast and they seemed pretty interested in the idea. And um, they said that they think that would be a, a more effective way of, of delivering the message about agriculture in, in general, just ag issues and, and how we can just kind of tell people a little bit about, about you know, what we do, why we do it, where the food comes from, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, I think just kind of circle back around to um, some of the other examples of this issue with just perception of agriculture in general. Um, like I was saying earlier with, with the whole animal rights issue, people see, you know, chickens in, in crates driving down the road and they see these calves stuck in these tiny hutches and they see you know what what they believe to be cruel to these animals just because they don't really understand what's going on and this lack of, of agricultural literacy this this perception of agriculture being some evil corporation uh, you know factory farm deal is just it's causing a lot of issues for agriculture in terms of the legislature passed yeah but um, in terms of just like for example labeling um, it, labeling is, is, for those of you who don't know, labeling is just generally defined as just, you know, you have labels on certain types of food uh, and they say certain things. They could say uh, non-GMO or, or no organic hormones or, or organic mm -hmm. or non, you know, ambiotic free. And, and these labels, they cause a lot of issues mm -hmm. for, for farmers. And that's due to the, uh, the fact that, um, these labels are all, they're definitely true most of the time. However, um, all of them except for the organic so I believe don't quote me on that I'm not sure but <laughs> most of these labels are voluntary labels right so there's not really a need to put the labels on it's just a want in order to create a market that perceives healthier safer food when in fact it is not really because um, take GMOs for example we have had GMOs for 24 years now I believe the first one was patented in 1994 and that was a flavor saver tomato right and since then, with all the technology and all the research we have, there has not been one study that has conduct that that has been conducted that proves any harmful effects to the human body. So, really, these genetically modified foods are no different than their organic counterparts, and except for the fact that they do stay on the shelves longer in those facts, and they're cheaper for our consumers to buy. So, really, right. 
they're getting a better deal with that instead of paying more for a label that says organic or GMO free. That's really all they're paying for is that label. I agree. And the issues regarding labeling and regarding genetic, genetic modified organisms and, and all these different things we talked about today, including animal rights, Proposition 2, all those things, we will be addressing in more detail in later episodes. So just, you know, don't think this is all we're going to say about GMOs for the rest of the podcast because we definitely will go over them quite a few times. We're going to mm-hmm. be going over, yeah. you know, genetic modification as a whole. And then labeling the issues with labeling and just like mm-hmm. the various types of, of, of genetic modification and that kind of thing in future episodes. But just to kind of give you a glimpse about what the issue regarding agricultural literacy is, why this is so important, and, and really what, we, what, what, we, what, we're, what we're limited to because of this lack of it mm-hmm. is, is kind of what we're trying to address here. Um, I think just to kind of to wrap up here in, in terms of the message we're trying to get across is Farmers feed the world. Nobody can dispute that. Farmers are the, are the sole feeders of this world population. And everybody in the world population eats food every single day. That's right. So we have to trust that our farmers are doing things right, that they're you know, trying to do what's best for all of their consumers. And in so, doing so... And support them in doing that in order to feed our population. Right. And, and, and in doing so... They do things that people may not understand, but just because you do not understand what they do does not automatically mean that what they're doing is wrong mm-hmm. or evil or, or mm-hmm. harmful to the consumers because they're trying to make sure that their consumers are happy. So that way the farmers benefit, the consumers benefit, and everybody in the world benefits. So just in terms of agricultural literacy, I think it's kind of important that people understand that farmers are not the bad guys here. Farmers are the ones trying to help them. They're trying to feed the world. and unless we fix this issue of, mm-hmm. of our 72% of the population not knowing mm-hmm. where the food comes from. It's going to be more difficult for farmers to do their job in that aspect and in order to feed our growing population. Absolutely. So um, we want to thank you guys for tuning in today. I hope that you continue to listen, continue to even research and reach out to us in whatever means, any questions you have, anything you want us to talk about, or even if you might want to pop up on the show one time, you know, we have yeah. lots of great ideas for you guys and would love to hear back from you as well. I absolutely agree. And um, in the future, we're going to be talking about, as I mentioned, we're going to talk about episodes regarding, you know, labeling and GMOs and that kind of thing. We haven't 100% for sure decided what our next episode is going to be on. So just, you know, you'll have to tune in next Wednesday and find out for sure. We'll be on a bit of a cliffhanger there. Um, we are trying to get the podcast up on iTunes as well. We're, we're currently struggling with, with that aspect of it if any of you if, if, if any of you know how to do it maybe reach out to us because yeah. we have no <laughs> idea um we, we've been working on it trying to get that out there for but for right now it's going to stay on youtube i might try to get it on some other podcast apps but we're, we're going to work on that and we'll update you guys on social media um by the way go follow us on the social media mm-hmm. on our facebook At twitter talk, Instagram. talk ag to me that's right and um oh just just one more thing this episode, just break the fourth wall a little bit for you guys. This episode is going to be coming out on April 25th, my birthday, by the way. And, um, well, happy birthday if they're <laughs> listening to it today. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Um, this episode is going to be coming out on April 25th. That will be the day that we come back from our state FFA convention. Mm-hmm. And if any of you guys are listening that went to the state FFA convention, and maybe you met us, maybe you didn't, be sure you reach out to us with your stories because mm-hmm. this year is a bit of a unique year. This is the first time it'll be in a different location. Yeah, it's, this year it is moving to Anaheim, California, instead of Fresno. So that'll be a large change, but I think it'll be um, interesting and nice to see 
what they're going to do with it over there. I, I think so too. So yeah, if you guys have any stories, if you have any experiences, comments, you want to say, you know, what you liked, what you disliked about the new convention location and, and how the convention was run, be sure to reach out to us and we'll make sure your story gets up here. Mm -hmm. And even if you want to say it yourself, maybe we can bring you on the show and have you talk about mm -hmm. it a little bit. So, Definitely. Yeah, make sure you guys reach out to us about that. And I think that's about it for this episode. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to say, Evan? No, just thank you for tuning in and keep listening. Yeah. All right. So yeah, that's about it. We'll see you guys next Wednesday. And don't forget, if you ate today, thank a farmer. I'm hungry. <laughs>